Greetings, Kapla, and welcome everyone to our fan cast, where an adventurous rocket scientist, a Star Trek girl, and a sci-fi wingnut take an away team excursion from the Star Trek series Strange New Worlds and talk about the finale season of Star Trek Picard. We are super excited to geek out and talk about the show, so let's gear up, assume our stations, and hit it. the commander shelby guest star this episode on strange new world <laughs> fancast my name is sp and joining me freshly returned from a diplomatic passenger transport mission from earth to shell talk for is captain bubbles you, uh, hello guys i don't know where you get these intros it's kind of cool though but I'm like i could watch your face and they're just like you're just spitting it out and also joining us is the recently installed head of starfleet section 35 commander Klinger. God. Yeah, you're never going to look Hello. Down. Well, you said call me Klinger, so I'm just going <laughs> no, by your no, direction. No, it, no, it works. I just don't have his wardrobe. If there is one thing that I know, it is not to piss off the head of Section 35. Her wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's his wardrobe. I'm with you. At that point in time, it was his. I'm sure today it would be her, but at that point in time, it was his. The worst part about it is that these days, the whole story would have been different altogether. It, yes, absolutely. It would have. We're past the don't ask, don't tell even in the armed services. So, But, yeah. but that would also wouldn't have gotten him kicked out. It might have even gotten him promoted. Right. That's my point. We're at that point now. Yeah. Next. <laughs> All right. So we're here discussing Picard season three, episode four. They call it part four. I'm just going to call it episode four. No win scenario, the end of an opening arc. And we had some reveals this episode. You guys ready to go down a little list of what was revealed? Sure. Absolutely. Let's do it. The other thing that I was thinking of in terms of the next generation, remember where they had this whole, I think it was even a two-parter, Vaj was involved, where they were looking at the origins of all life in the galaxy or the universe or whatever. Yeah, that's where they, it's the character that they repurposed the founders from for, uh... Discovery. Discovery, no, Deep Space Nine. Oh. They had it in Discovery too, didn't they? No. No. Did they? The same character in the exact same makeup ended up being the founders in Deep Space Nine. Right. So I was thinking that that was a possibility of a story that they would rehash as well. And then the other one is, is Stadwick. I think that Captain Shaw could have been a lot more complex than it turned out to be. We also know that the nebula is not a normal nebula. A lot of electrical discharge, a lot of biological stuff. So it's either, I'm thinking, the breeding ground for space whales. (laughs) (laughs) He said that with such a straight face. (laughs) Speaking of Jack, I have another question for you. Did y'all notice when he was unconscious from the gas, all the re- the red door and the red flashes that he was seeing? What do you think that is? If we find out that Vedic is nothing more than a hired hand, that will also re- disappoint me. She's got to have a reason to be there. Changeling. 
I'm waiting for the time that, that some of the TNG crew is going to board her ship and take over. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. They could I'd be use... disappointed to watch the, watch the ship get destroyed. That's a nice looking ship. Yeah, I think they're going to use this nebula or whatever to destroy the ship and then limp out of it. I don't think the ship is going to come after them from here on in. I could be wrong about that because they need to transport the portal device. If it turns out that that's where the space jellyfish mate for, from uh, Adventure at Farpoint, once again, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> Bringing it back all the way to the beginning, right? You can't have this without Encounter at Farpoint. They even said that in Farpoint. And it was jellyfish and not whales. At the moment he jumped up and went, you mean like at Farpoint? I was like, no. <laughs> no, 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 yes. no, no, no. <laughs> yep. So that was our little previously on of seven little things that we predicted that came true. There's a lot more stuff that, well, particularly I predicted that didn't come true, but we did predict seven things that actually came through. So yes, we got a lot of answers and it was the end of the first arc. Look how much of a Trekkies we are. But at the same time, the uh, Vedic ship wasn't destroyed, was it? No. You saw it badly wounded, but it's yeah. not, it's not over. And you might say that the thing that was drawing everything in actually exploded out in the birth of everything. You had a massive birth explosion and all of that birth material went out in the wave. So as long as they survive the wave, they're fine. Did you see right after it was revealed that she was a changeling, which was mine, with the way she cut off her hand reminded me of the first episode of season four of Winona whenever I don't know if, I doubt you've watched it, but it was like the calling was coming to her in the way that they had to continue communicate was cutting off and feeding it blood. Anyways, so did you see when she was talking about how she didn't want to go into it because of the payload that she had of the weapon she has? But when she was told to go in anyways, as the ship turned around, did you see that thing that flew off? It said Daystrom? She ejected it. Yeah. yeah it said Daystrom Robotics Institute on it. Yeah. I freeze-framed. On the big screen, and I was able to read it. I did too. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. All right. So this episode is called No Win Scenario. It was directed by Jonathan Frakes. That is Commander Riker on board on the Titan. We went down his IMDb credits last time, so we're not going to do it this time. The episode was written by the showrunner, Terry Matalis, and it was written by the other executive Thomas. producer, Matalis, excuse me, the other executive producer, Sean Tretta. The story was edited by Christopher Derrick, who has 10 episodes of The Equalizer and 20 episodes of Picard. And it was also edited by Kylie Rossetter, who has 20 episodes of Picard in the credits. Of course, uh, Terry Metalis is the showrunner, as I said before. So first and foremost, we got some space babies. We got space babies. They could be those Farpoint space babies. I don't care. But that is proof that the nebula is just a giant spawning pool. We were in a animal spawning pool. All of that biology was what gave it away. The biological. But even then, it gave them the opportunity story-wise. As much as I wasn't liking the idea that they were going to go there, I have to admit it gave them the opportunity story-wise to start to bring the Enterprise crew back to being who they are. Everybody had kind of moved on into something else. Riker had kind of lost some of his confidence after losing his son. 
Picard was kind of still reaching out for some sort of connection somewhere along the line that he wasn't getting. Everybody just kind of needed to come back to their place. And, and even as they said, as they were kind of deciding what to do towards the end, recognize that they've been here before, that this is something that they were trained, that they were the best at as far as getting out of. Let's go out doing what we've learned how to be the best at yet. You know, it, it also kind of, and, and I know throughout the episode, we find other reasons, but also kind of gives maybe some reason for the captain's, shall we say, attitude towards them. I know we find other reasons, but that attitude of, you know, if we play by the numbers, we don't find ourselves in these situations versus we're awesome enough to get ourselves out of them. Yeah, the standard Starfleet protocol in this case is just sit there and get rescued. And they're like, no, nobody's coming. We need to get ourselves out. No one's coming. Well, I could tell you that the last couple episodes, I have not been a fan of the way Beverly's kept it from him. But I can say that I'm happy to know that she's redeemed herself in this episode because she's the one that figured it all out. If it wasn't for her timing it and thinking it was contractions and pushing it forward, none of them would have figured that out without her. Uh, she came through, and of course, we also found out that the other big complaint is why she kept Jack from Jean-Luc, and it came out through the flashbacks from five years ago right. in 10 Forward that he it was did. Jack that made the decision because Jean-Luc himself because of made the stupid remark. Now, I get why Jean-Luc said what he did, because he was saying that to a bunch of cadets. I was a cadet at the Air Force Academy once, too, and that's what you need to hear at that point in time. But that's not what you say in a public gathering where there might be other people that have other things going on in their lives. It never occurred to him that there would be anybody else there either. I mean, if you take a step back to his own point in life, he had come to the conclusion that he was not going to have family at that point. So he was finding his own route through that. Now, once again, did it have a tragic consequence, what he said? Of course it did. Right. But even then, even if he, he wasn't even considering the fact that he could have family up until the end of last season. That's what Q showed him. I don't think he did wrong in what he said. I just think, like you said, it had a consequences that Jack did go looking for him. And his time, he sucked. I, I liked at the end, the very end of the episode when Picard's looking at him. And he realizes the moment, that moment, he realized, oh, he did. He is the one. I did see him and he did come looking for me and I messed this up. I know why he couldn't understand who he was, because he was using the Marvel Cinematic Universe disguise. He put on a baseball cap. You can't <laughs> understand who a person is. You can't recognize them when they put on a baseball cap. It's a complete disguise in the MCU. God forbid he'd put on glasses. <laughs> a mustache. <laughs> Big nose. No, no, no. This is Star Trek. If he put on mustache and a goatee, it would have meant he was evil. Yeah, the evil. <laughs> he'd have been 19 then. Eh. He was de-aged a little bit. He did look a little younger. I don't know if they did anything in CGI, but they definitely tried to make him look, I don't know, thinner in the camera, the way he was looking and everything. Maybe the hat was shaped in a, in a certain way. But yeah, he, he was there under disguise. And for those of you that don't know, I do a podcast on the Marvel Cinematic Universe called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it is a running gag that all you need to do if you're a well-known person is just put on that ball cap and everything will be fine. 
your disguise. There's another thing that I wanted to point out on that meeting, though. Jake, you're in the medical industry, right? Yep. So not five years ago, but when they go into 10 forward during the four hours of, hey, we need to get our affairs in order. What is the first thing that Jack wants to know from John Luke? Oh, damn. I'm drawing a blank. His hair. Oh, whether or not he gets to keep his hair. <laughs> so estranged kids or kids that are put up for adoption or whatever. I know this because a lot of my friends have kids that they've adopted from Vietnam or wherever and China, and they just don't know their family medical history. It's a constant thing. So Jack asking Jean-Luc about the hair, it's a funny moment, but it is exactly. reality. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean... You could arguably say that all he really needed to do was a genetic test on himself with the technology that they have at that point in time. But it is a question. I mean, you know, look, uh, I'm losing my hair and my father as bald as can be. And it is one of those things where it's kind of like, how much longer do you have? <laughs> I appreciated the question since I'm growing it back in. Right now. And you guys were talking about the strike, uh, the struggles of everybody. Right. Riker, obviously having the struggles with still trying to deal with Thaddeus, but it came out more in this episode. Now, I will argue that this whole arc, this first arc, is a little bit more drawn out than it really needed to be. It was probably an episode or two longer than it needed to be. But Riker's final struggle came out and wasn't necessarily dealing with the loss of Thaddeus. It was that there was nothing after life. He, in all of his travels and everything that they've done, with Star Trek and probably looking in the classified logs of Star Trek five. What does God need with a starship? <laughs> he knows that there's nothing there's there. Right. Left. So that is what he's struggling with is like Thaddeus had a short life and then there was nothing left for him afterwards. And he is personally struggling with that. Well, you can almost call say that he's what he's basically struggling with is mortality. And then once again, they're thrown into the mortality of everybody on the ship. It kind of seems like, Last episode was the setting up of where everybody is, and this episode was showing you why. Yeah, they've been coming to an end with the, with the art. Shannon, what do you think about him not being able to record the message for his Mzadi? I think he was at that point in his mind where he knew that everything was about to come to an end, and I think it's normal. I Honestly, I think it's normal when you have traumatic incidents like that, and you just don't know what to say at the end. Because if the ship would have been destroyed, she would have got it anyways. And I think he had trouble saying what he wanted to say because he's the one that caused her the pain with leaving and and everything that he did. That's my take on it. I like that they were talking at the end, though. It was definitely strained. They don't know what the future has in store for either of them. Like Riker, that he literally doesn't know what's going to happen. Of course, I read the synopsis for the next episode, so I kind of know what happens. But they don't know what's going to happen at that time on screen. So Riker's kind of in this zone where he's not sure if he's in trouble or not. And Mzadi doesn't know if they're going to be able to reconcile or not. It's just a weird time in a relationship where you have something big going on in your personal life and your professional life. Right. I think not only the death of their son. Also, to add to the point that they grew apart because he couldn't handle the stress of what had happened. So, the classic signs of stress that he was having and the traumatic parts that he was having, she was probably having a probably a hard time dealing with his lack of 
empathy, maybe. Well, you also do have to throw in the fact that, as he put it, she's an empath. Everything that he's feeling, she's feeling. That's true. So she could read his mind and she didn't like what she was reading. Or even just the question that he was left with. I mean, life throws you stuff and then you have to deal with it and it changes you. And it can change relationships based on that. So they're dealing with it right now. The other part about it is, is that he, this is the first time he, I know we saw him briefly on a command deck at the end of the first season, but this is the first time that he's really honestly been in command since he personally suffered a loss. Yeah, that's pretty tough to get back on the, the horse there. You guys dealt with it at the beginning of Strange New Worlds. Yeah. But I mean, not only that, but he's on this ship that his son was born on. I mean, so that's got to bring back some memories right there, too. Same ship, same ship. And as much as we want to believe that it has been a complete retrofit, we know that some of the guts are the same. Turbo lifts the same. Yeah, because of what happened with the nacelles and stuff like that. I think the turbo lifts being the same was probably just they didn't have time to go back and do another set for this particular episode. Right. There's a lot of Star Trek episodes out there where they go back and they do a, a either another ship or they do a flashback where there's basically another ship, even if it's the same ship, and they have to completely redo it. You know, the DS9 episodes where they go back to the original Enterprise. and Yeah, but those were all cardboard. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we already know that they used the ship from Picard Season 2 to be a Vatic ship. Right. The, the lower... Sriracha? I think it's how you say it. Yeah, the Sriracha. The lost Sriracha, actually. The... Lower deck. Yeah, uh, we didn't get any Wharf and Raffi in here, so presumably they're on their way. And I was disappointed by that. I was actually starting to really enjoy the whole Wharf Raffi combo. It sounded like Wharf's voice when the. I called the bacon goo. I mean, it was just nasty watching him, the changeling. But when she cut off her hand and the thing that was talking to her, it said to me, it sounded like Wharf. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, actually, that was kind of, I think that's where our mystery is now, is what is that? Because I don't think it's just as simple as it's a changeling. Otherwise, it wouldn't have necessarily had a form. By the way, the changeover from the crystalline CGI fluid that they were in DS9 to the goop that they are now is actually kind of cool. The goop that they are now looks like bacon. <laughs> And that bacon went up into the ship. It looks more like fat wood if you actually took it out of a body and you started clumping it together. Yeah, still, still nasty. So, <laughs> goop. <laughs> there you go. We're talking about goop. Let's talk about an old grease monkey, right? The dip from Chicago. We find out what the USS Constance was. It was worth 359 and Shaw was on as... I don't even know if he wasn't even an officer at the time. He was just working in engineering, right? And he has some embedded problems with Which Picard. Which is why he was angry at him for the moment they got on the ship. And it's also interesting to see that as much as we've had episodes and different things to show that supposedly that he has, that Picard still isn't completely done with that concept in his mind. I don't know how you could. But at the same time, it's still, to this day, affecting him in that fashion. Yeah, I kind of hope that we would have left the Borg behind because of the last season. But we didn't, so we still have to deal with it. 
it gets mentioned for a reason. Yeah. Just like it got mentioned for a reason, like last time I was telling, in one of the episodes we did, I was talking about how Enzel LaForge went to Seven's quarters to talk about her. That's how she figured out this time around that that wasn't actually her because she always calls her Seven. So I'm glad that that little scene happened. Out of respect. Out of respect. And his, his look on his face is like, yeah, you know, touche, I'll give you that. So I'm of two minds here. First, mine is that I love the interaction that Shaw got with everybody. You got that story that came out. You got the self-admitted that he's not, he doesn't have any tact, basically, that he's replaced that with other things in his life. But you also, you just understand him and he's not a bad captain. But at the same time, I also am like, well, he's up and he's around and he's doing all this stuff. I recognize that he's got painkillers running through his system, but he's obviously making decisions. Should command have been passed back to him at this time? I don't think he wants it. He doesn't want that responsibility. That's why he gave Picard even before he got hurt. Okay, whatever happens now is on you because they're so far past protocol anyway. So I I don't think he wants to be back in command until they get someplace like back to a space dock where he could take over command again. I don't think he wants it. Just like Seven, she should have been reinstated a long time ago. And there, she could have been reinstated and worked as the acting captain instead of Picard. I think it's dealing with a little bit also of simple story device here. This was, as we said earlier, the opportunity for them to, for the writers wise, to give Picard, Riker, Crusher, the ability to kind of come back together and start to be what they were before again. The only Borg that was ever given a name. What was the direct quote on that? You guys remember? I don't remember the quote. I remember his name, though. I think it was something like the only Borg that was so important that they gave it a name. Look, you just. Oh, a GD name. I'm trying to say a little PG 13 here. What? Yeah. Hmm. None of us are PG. That's okay. <laughs> Locutus. Again, Picard just walks out at that point. Well, he, he thought that he thought for himself that he had, that that was ancient history at this point, that he had put it behind himself, that he had moved on. The fact that there are still people who hate him for that. Right. People that are directly impacted because of what happened that day. Like Shaw said, he was just a grease monkey working in, in, down in engineering when the world went on fire. So the animosity he's had this entire time that we're now finally getting to see why is because he lost to his best friends. But not only that, look at what's going on with Picard. It also shows the animosity as to him is Picard is still beat himself up with it. No, actually, it, well, he is, yes, but you know, other than his brief moment of rage quitting Starfleet, Picard is still looked at as one of the heroes of Starfleet. Even after that, he's still looked at as one of the the true geniuses behind Starfleet. That this crew that led to the death of so many people at Wolf 359 are looked at with such reverence bothers That's why him. His, his picture, do you see his picture up on the wall in the restaurant that he was at? It was 10 forward, actually. It was the 10 forward that was in LA. And I have an issue with 10 forward being used so liberally, not in the holodeck, but 
in the flashbacks and then actually in the first episode without Guinan being there, I have an issue with that. Like, where is Guinan? She should be around for that. I realized that Whoopi probably just wasn't available for this season or they couldn't afford her or something like that. But it's a glaring omission at this point. Maybe she's just in the back getting more booze. That's all. Get more of that Picard wine from the Chateau Picard. Or that Romulan ill. Speaking of the Romulan, where's she at? Where's she at? Yeah, we're teasing. You two were teasing me earlier. I'm trying to make dinner. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's right. I want to. Where's she at? <laughs> A little bit of years. Captain Bubbles just took her to Shaltok 4. That's what I said here. Let's go. <laughs> Hop go. on in. All right. So they're getting out of the Nebula slash Astro. They make this plan. They've got the changeling and they're trying to get out. And then all of a sudden they start playing, ooh, we need to avoid asteroids. But then the whole thing blows up and they start going close to the speed of light. And I just want to point out that the odds of successfully navigating an asteroid field are 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. (laughs) I've heard that before. They go around like three or four asteroids really slow, really carefully. And then all of a sudden there's speed of light. And we don't care if we hit an asteroid. You have no shields. I think this goes back to where Sean almost complains about the cartoon, the bubble guppies. That it, it's a cartoon, I'm sure, but he complains about the continuity of shows. Like, you can't have automobiles or planes underwater. It's a cartoon, right? You're going to have to get past the past the part that they have no shields. Maybe they got regenerated with everything else when they got the jump start. Still, if you smack into an asteroid going that fast. It's going to make some damage, as Riker pointed out when he played asteroid baseball with the Shrike. I mean, he was just trying to throw it back at him. Well, I mean, he, he learned from experience. The Shrike's the one to throw spaceships. He's going to throw asteroids. That was a pretty cool move. I like Beverly. Did you just throw up? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> and he's just wanting to play baseball. And his son's not around there anymore. He just wanted to play catch with somebody. And the Shrike started to play catch. So here you go. Well, where whereas Jean Luc has always been the ones who came up who came up with the technical answer to things like how to navigate through the asteroid field using which sensor and which you know buttons and all that wonderful stuff. Riker has always been the one who came up with the weird tactical. This is how we're going to get out of this thing. And so once again, Riker's back. You know, it never would have occurred to anybody else to throw an asteroid at somebody, but it Riker did. I did enjoy the unintelligible, and I never went back to try to transcribe it or anything. Techno babble coming from everybody on the bridge as they're trying to bring everything online and get going. That was plain and simple, pure TNG techno babble. I'm not even sure if it was real. But you know what? But there's been other episodes where you've heard that, where I think it was the Star Trek with Pine, where, right? where you can hear all the stuff that they're listening to, all the stuff that's happening on the bridge. And I think it was classic. I, once again, I know I'm kind of harping on this subject to some extent, but I think what you were going for once again, writers wise is starting to show them being back on the bridge with a crew around them doing what the crew is supposed to do. Everybody working together that it was finally starting to come back together for them versus just, everything falling apart the way it had at the end of the of last episode. Okay. I still have some qualms. So 
So Riker's supposed to be this hotshot pilot, right? I mean, in the original series and everything, he was this great big pilot and he could do anything and stuff like that. And all of a sudden he's deferring to Jean-Luc, hey, nobody's ever done this blind before. Why don't you give it a shot? Well, I mean... <laughs> I don't remember him being a pilot or a hotshot pilot. Riker? Oh, yeah. Every time he took a shuttlecraft. Yeah. That was the Captain Jellico episode. When he went in the shuttlecraft, yeah. If they could just turn those chairs up at front backwards, and he could, I could just see him sitting backwards. I turned it like when he would always lean forward and put his foot up on the the Riker maneuver. The Riker maneuver, yeah, yeah. The Riker yeah. maneuver. Actually, it would have been even better if he had sat there, he stood up there with his like leg up on halfway on the control counter, next to and him, and then drive the ship. Yeah, <laughs> the Riker <laughs> maneuver. Hey, I've got a qualm with Jack too. There is no benefit at all to drinking cheap whiskey, especially when the good stuff's oh, available. No, 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 no. I have to agree with you wholeheartedly. When it's that, right there and it's that, free and why not? You're dying. No, no. That made me cringe. When he asked for cheap whiskey, he was like, no, if you're going to die, die with some good stuff. Especially Picard offering his own wine to him. It's like a slap in the well, face. No, no. I actually had to agree with the whole wine, whiskey versus wine thing, but cheap boot? No. No. The cheaper, the better. No, no. You get to, top shelf. This is a top shelf opportunity, dude. You take it. Cheap is when you have 10 bucks in your pocket. And you just need to get drunk, right? This is not that at all. It's yeah. Get the good stuff. And oh, by the way, they're in 10 forward in the holodeck. And I know they explained it away, but this is a crew that can make do with a lot and they can't take that energy and throw it into the thrusters at all. I was asking the same question. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we've got nothing left but life support and the holodeck. Right. Why are we keeping the holodeck up for morale? I have a powerful need to breathe. And most of the other ships before, actually, the holodeck was one of the first things to get turned off. Yeah, that powerful need to breathe should be number one. I guess maybe if you're talking about like the safety of programs running long term, like Mortiarty or something like that, I could kind of see it. But again, this is a crew that can make do with a lot from a little. So you need 2%. I know where there's 2% energy. It's the holodeck. Let's just take it from that. Moriarty, I think that's what, how do you say his name? Moriarty. 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 Do you think he's going to be the last? I don't think you see Moriarty until you see Lore. I, I'm still convinced that that's where he comes in. It'll be the penultimate or the final episode the of the final. season. Yeah. <laughs> I drew a blank in the middle. The arc. That's what I was looking for, the arc. <laughs> yeah, it'll be the final arc when you get Moriarty. Because, so if you don't know anything about the season, whatever thing, if you're just sitting down to watch it, you don't know that Lore is coming. So you're going to get Lore, you're going to get Selma. I think that's going to, or Sela, excuse me. Sela. And I think that's going to be like arc three. Arc two is going to be dealing with everything that has happened now. And they're going to go back and they're going to have to deal with it for an episode or two. And then the final arc will be like a three episode arc or so of the finale where you get all the big bad guys and you're going to have the enterprise crew trying to figure it all out. I think the crew will all get back together next arc because they've got to be going towards the towards starbase to repair the ships and all this stuff, right? I think that's when you'll see Deanna come on. I think that's when Jordy will come on and maybe Worf will come back. And then I think they'll all be together 
dealing with the next arc that they have to do with. I don't think you get Worf and Raffi catching up to them until you get to the final arc. They're going to be off doing their own thing, trying to figure They'll stuff out. They'll be the surprise after they figure out what's happening at Daystrom. They'll be the ones that come in and defeat Lore because they found the other surprise thing that was taken at Daystrom. That's my predictions right there. Are you talking about the crew getting back together or getting back together? <laughs> well, it depends on who we're talking about. Because if we know who I'm talking about, that's together, together. All I right. think the crew is just going to rejoin each other. All right. So Star Trek these days has this penchant for red. So we had red matter in the 2009 Star Trek movie. We had the Ren angel in disco that's what i'm gonna call it by the way disco we had the red lady that actually was the red angel only, was a- red angel was a good arc and even for discovery right amazing so you had the red lady in this uh series in this season and now you have the red door here that jack is dealing with i was speaking to him at the end yeah what's up with all this red in star trek the other part is 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 what's going on with Jack. I mean, obviously this is coming down to being part of what it is that they, the all powerful, they want Jack for. What has he done? Even the head that Vaudic was talking to was half white and half red. Bacon. <laughs> Looks like bacon goo. Well, yeah, but the goop that it was made out of was half white and half red. All right, so we have the transporter Enzin that was killed days before the Titan left. So this has been in planning for a while for that to happen. You have the fact that we have Deep Space 4 that's available. We can move in. I'm just telling you guys <laughs> that's available right now. Cheap real estate out on the frontier. You have the Romulans. They've lost their planet. You've got the Great Link now. We've seen that. And then... I don't think we're done with Shaw yet. I kept on saying you don't get Todd Statchwick in just to throw him out of an airlock or kill him in a couple of episodes. And he acted his butt off talking about Wolf 359. I don't think we're done with him yet. I think he's part of this broader thing. Well, I think he definitely came through at the end with the engineering stuff he did. Self-preservation. Well, not only that, we know we're not done with the Titan. We know we're not done with Vatic either. Because she didn't get destroyed. She just got hit yeah we know we're not done with the titan because it's the ship at the opening credits very good yeah no i mean obviously they're going to continue on with the titan the question is is who goes with them afterwards my vote is for seven and raffi as we were talking about before i haven't met anybody new that i'd want to have in the crew obviously they'll either have to take crew that they have on the ship right now like there was a Bajoran, I believe, at Ops, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, the doctor's a trill. Right. They've got a Vulcan on the bridge as a science officer. Who'd have thought? <laughs> yeah, it's sitting in the same spot, too. <laughs> you got a LaForge at the controls. You got three command chairs. I mean, one's going to be, just going with my thing, one's going to be Seven, or it could be Stashwick, I don't know, as Shaw. But seven and Raffi, and then a free one, either Shaw or not. I think Jack is going to stick around because if you've noticed, he's not a guest star. He's an actual. He's actually on the show, right? When right. his credit when the credits come up, he's actually on the show. I think all this time we're 
cards tell him to look around. This is this is how your crew is. This is the people. Why you know? I think all these messages of him getting past the part of being a loner. I think he'll end up on the ship as maybe the medical officer or or something. Somewhere along, I mean, it, you can see what they're doing. Whether or not they go through with it or not is obviously going to depend on ratings and dollars and cents and all that. But you can see that they are setting up the opportunity to take this ship and this crew further than just this series. If you're Paramount right. and you're looking at the series <laughs> and the dollars and the cents, and then you're looking at the mess that Star Trek four out there, you're going to put your money in this basket rather than that basket. Oh, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, the question is, is do they, they're definitely setting it up. They're setting it up being so intent on looking at this crew and saying, you people are a crew together. They're setting it up to move forward. All the characterizations that they're giving you, none of these characters feel like throwaway characters. Yeah. This has the opportunity to move forward if that's what they're choosing to do. With. Although, you know, it's a Star Trek, so somebody's going to die eventually. We haven't had a major red shirt. I thought Shaw was going to be it, but we haven't had a red shirt yet. I think Picard's going to be dead at the end of the season. Picard was dead at the beginning of the season. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> synthetic now. I think he's going to be gone at the end of the season, and I think he is going to be absent from the Shell Talk 4 bar meeting. We can't have that. All right, so that's just, uh, that's horrible. I mean, he could walk away and ride off into the sunset with Loris, but not kill him. That's a horrible, that's like saying, that's the horrible ending of Xena, right? They beheaded her. There is no comeback from that. I don't think oh, we should kill the part. spoil it. I haven't watched it yet. Dude, the spoilers has been out there for years, okay? You can't kill. Don't kill him off. Don't behead him. Can't ever have her back with Gabby. I think it was fun that he was talking about flying off to a booty call with his son. That was like good father-son I liked that there. conversation they had together. I liked because Jack, you can see Jack is opening up a little bit to him. He's not angry with him. He's like, I know my mom didn't hate you, but why'd she name me Jack? You know, I would have named you the same thing. So it, that parallels, you could tell that him and Beverly would have thought the same. But I, I think that particular conversation is letting them each know the other is human. It's, it's human nature. And of course, this is father and son. And maybe they'll have a, a chance to, you know, hang out with a little bit more. When they're not trying not to die. Yeah, and I think Jack's going to get together every so often with his half-brother. And they're going to remember their... Do you think they've met yet before? No. Uh, well, they could pull a fast one like they did on this episode. And yes, they have met. Well, I mean, there's been an opportunity. You know, it's not like Wesley is stuck to a single timeline. We've already seen him moving back and forth through time. So... Wesley can pop in and say hi just about whenever he chooses. Is he supposed to be on this season? I don't know. I don't know either. I just hope we see him. Like I said before, oh. I think it would be good to have him around. And he would know that Jack is his half-brother. That would come oh, absolutely. with the knowledge of being a traveler. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that's all I got for this episode. It wasn't... <sighs> As good as it was, it wasn't phenomenal. Like, it wasn't episode three. It was... It was an episode two is what it was. We didn't have a lot from episode two either. It was, a, it was the way to connect the dots. So this was a way to end this first arc. I will admit I didn't find the episode as exciting as the, as the previous one, but I did find the 
you know, once again, what I keep harping on and coming back to just that final connection of we are this crew again. You know, we can do this. We've done it before. This is what we've always been the best at. Let's kick some ass. You know what they need? They need a shore leave afterwards to get their thoughts together at Riza. We need to have a whole episode (laughs) on Riza. (laughs) If if they bring Miss Pointy ears, so you are. Yes, thank you, Jake. Yes, yes. Can I go? I volunteer to go. Pointy ear, honey. (laughs) Beverly and Laris and Picard can share a chateau on the beach. I don't need Picard. I just want the two of them. (laughs) I don't need Picard. Just the pointy ear, honey, and the the doctor. Look. All Bubbles wants is uh, is the pointy-eared woman wearing a bikini with one of those whore guests asking if she wants Jamaharone. Hmm. Bikini's optional, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> On Risa, it is. Just wear the glasses. Could be like swimming pools in Germany now. Tops are optional. Hey, Jadzia okay. got Worf to skinny dip in the in the ocean at uh, in Risa. I mean, if you can get him to do it anywhere, I mean, come on. That's what I'm saying. Go back to Ryza. <laughs> All right. Next time we're going to be talking about season three, part five, imposter. I, they're just going to keep num- numbers up, aren't they? Yeah. And the synopsis that I saw said caught by Starfleet and facing court martial. So there you go. They're facing court martial. Paranoia grows as Picard struggles to uncover whether a prodigal crewman from his past has returned as an ally or an enemy bent on destroying them all. Read that again? I haven't read that at all. Yeah. Caught by Starfleet and facing court-martial, paranoia grows as Picard struggles to uncover whether a prodigal crewman from his past has returned as an ally or an enemy hell-bent on destroying them all. Who's returning? LaForge? Jordy? Jordy's not on board. Well, not only that, but they're referring to it as prodigal. So, I don't know. Are they going to argue whether or not lore is lore or data? Is that what the imposter thing is? That's what that's. Yep. You got it, Jake. That's it. All right. So, we might be getting lore back next time. That would cheapen. It depends how they do that, right? So, we know lore is coming back, but that would kind of cheapen data's death if they do it from that perspective a certain way, right? Either that or the prodigal crewmate could be Rafi. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, once again, you have to ask yourself who's not there yet. I don't think it's going to be Jordy as being the prodigal one, because as much as I know that they're leading up to a conflict there, yeah, I don't know if that fits. I may be wrong. Well, I mean, she was part of his crew last season, but it's not like he's, she doesn't, I, I doubt, she, I don't even know if she's aware that he's gone off back onto the ships again. I mean, she... So it's not Yar because she's dead. Sela would be the character that we get. So it's not Yar. We don't think it's Worf. Data's dead. We don't think it's LaForge. Maybe. I think it could be LaForge. Who else is there? Wesley? No. Dang it. Once again, I don't think that fits. I don't either. I don't either. I think you're looking at Worf and Raffi. I think they're going to call her prodigal because of the fact that she's gone as deep as she has. You know, she's left seven to go off she's you know and we know they got to return them together maybe that yep well we hope yeah. all right well that's what we're looking at next time in the meantime you can always find us at twitter at trek underscore worlds 
Captain Bubbles has been having a fun time in the past week making fun of us on the account. So that's been going pretty well with her. And then if you want to send us an email, I know there's an email for this podcast. Sean has access to it. I do not. So send it to my email, stargatepioneer at getageek.com, and we will read it on the show next time. So we hope you guys are all having a great time listening to us. Let us know how you like the show. And just to reiterate, again, I am only guesting for the remainder of the six episodes, and then you all get Sean back for Strange New Worlds Season 2. Yes. He's not missing anything with Nurse Chapel. <laughs> no, no, no. That will never happen. All right. So with that, I'm going to sign off. So catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye, guys. I remembered this time. Bye. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> this has been an episode of the Strange New Worlds Fancast P3 Edition. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, you can find us at strangenewworlds.podbean.com for more podcasts on Strange New Worlds and the Picard final season. If you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up via email at strangenewworldsfancast at gmail.com or on Twitter at trek underscore worlds. We are a part of the Lone Wolf Podcast Network. You can hear more of this cast and other shows like it by checking us out at lonewolfpodcasts.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I even tried to stop and pause during the uh, post-credits to see if there was anything new or any additional information that I could glean from it. I think we got everything that we're going to have. The interesting thing, there is a kind of a pressure wave coming. It's like a graph, like a shadow graphic. And it's going from like this cloud into this orifice opening or something like that. And I think that has something to do with whatever this red stuff is that we're talking about, this red door. I think we're totally being misdirected at that point in time at this point in time about what's going on with all that stuff, but whatever's happening, Jack, it's in Jack's head. So I don't know how it got into Jack's head. Maybe Jack's not human. There still could be something interesting with how Jack came to be. I think Petri dish, right? I think. Well, yeah, well, I mean, she's already said she got pregnant, but she, I don't well, know. Beverly has a history of having relations with non-corporeal beings. Right. Listen, it wasn't, you know, the Greek lamp this time. I don't know. But the whole, like, <laughs> I had to stop it and put it on closed captioning so I can read what the whispering were saying at the end. But I'm like, it's, it's something that's definitely coming in. I don't think it's just in his head. I think he's having memories of it. Oh. Like a PTSD or something. And I think it's something that's coming after him, which is why... Vatic wants him so bad. I don't know if it's coming after him or trying to protect him. That well, we, 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 we still don't know what the creature that Vatic was talking to is. Yeah. No. I assumed it was Great Lankish, but that did not look Great Lankish. The Great Bacon Eater. The Bacon Eater. In that flashback at the end, it looked like there was something like destroying the world that he was on. Because like, you see all the buildings and the trees fall down. I don't know what the thing with the red thing is. I don't know. But there's a door and there's a world being destroyed. Well, I mean, it has been hinted even in the previews here and there that 
this is an existential crisis for Starfleet as it is. So we could be looking at somebody making an attempt to literally destroy Earth. It could be. I mean, he was on Earth. That's where he got his accent from. I don't know. I don't even read. I don't ever read ahead. Maybe it's in his DNA. They have hey, mentioned hey, that a, couple, hey, a couple times. Hey, hey, maybe Wesley's genius came from his mother's side, which means he's got some of the same genetics in him. And maybe this is Wesley coming out and talking to him. Oh, hang on. Okay. Speaking of genetics, Picard was still actually alive in Picard when he was got with Beverly. So maybe there's some Borg genetics into him. There's that too. He could have a few nanites in there somewhere along the line. Something got spewed. Yep. I do have to agree with with, with Starpie, though. I, I would very much like to see the Borg just be done. Unfortunately, Shaw opened that door wide open with his comment. Yeah, there's no point to bring it up unless it's going to have more of, a com- of well, an impact the, on it. The Borg Queen is, is, for all intents and purposes, gone. There are still Borg out there, which means there probably is another queen, but the original one is, for all intents and purposes, gone. Yeah, but the character from the second season of Picard, she's going to come back. I mean, I don't know if she's going to come back. Girardi? Yeah, Girardi. Did they kill no, her? Actually, she's not. The last I heard is she was not going to be appearing in this season. No. Well, okay. So, I think you're right, SBI. There are going to be Borg, because, again, why say that? Why open that door unless there's going to be an impact on the show later on? That's a hint, always. I think the Borg at this point in the in the whole thing have been overdone. I agree. But I, like you said, I agree with that. But I think it's not going to be over. And I think, I still, like I said earlier, I still think they're going to all meet up at a, at a star base. And somehow Deanna's got to get on the ship. Because later on in the previews, you see her on them. And you see her staring at, you know, something big's coming. My Duh. vote is, <laughs> knowing that we're getting, you know, Yar's daughter, and I can never remember her name. Sella, Sella um, back, and I still think this is coming down to some extent to be having to do with Romulus's destruction. I still think we're going there That's somewhere along the line. Got to be addressed. Which is what I was saying earlier. I just, I just would like for again, be, because the worst part about it is, is that also gives you an opportunity to bring Laris back in there into okay. Not only, exactly. but here comes the problem: is is not only that, but you start to test Laris's loyalties at some at some point in there too. I think they've already been tested. I think she's shown where her loyalties lie. I think Picard's tested it many times. Can we test your loyalty tonight? You <laughs> what, I could, what, I could, what I can see, what I can <laughs> see coming. What I could see coming from that, though, is her pretending to go over to the other side and, you know, being that save the day at the last second. And- well, as much as I joke about wanting to see her, that's what I was trying to text earlier. I think there's a reason she appeared in this season at all. Right. I think the reason you saw her and saw her leaving and knowing when her intentions were to go back to Romulus and, hey, me come meet me here. All that. I think the fact that she leaned down and she's talking to him. Well, this is what I know from being intelligent. I think she's still part of the intelligent world on Romulus. Maybe, or it could have just been that they spent two seasons to get them together. And then when they finally got together at the end of last season, it was such a momentous event. They just couldn't shove it quickly aside. They had to address it for him to leave and for them to separate. 
the other thing is is that we also do know from you know unfortunately discovery lore that this is about the time that romulus and vulcan actually reunite and you get the romulans moving onto the vulcan planet and at that point in time what you've actually got is maybe somewhere along the line somebody's trying to fight against the reunification of vulcan and romulans because by the time you hit discoveries futuristic time it's been a while they've even changed the name of the planet vulcan and there's a whole political thing about romulans and vulcans on the planet and we know that that happened right about this time period because of quote unquote the sacrifice of spock well i think the big bad guy is still going to be something to do with the changelings because even that the officer that was killed weeks before beverly and jack got on the ship which leads me to believe that they pushed them in a way to hopefully what, I don't know, what, what, you, what you could have though is a grand conspiracy with the leftover romulans that don't want to reunify with the terrorist version of the of the great link that's that's floating around out there you've got all of these little factions that may be just kind of coming together in order to just finally try to tear the the federation apart as worf says something big is coming just don't know what maybe the person trying to speak to jack in his mind is to prank be nice That'd be nice. Can we just can I just say how much I would enjoy having to bring and Lars together? It would be a much, 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 much older to bring. Because remember, Spock's dead at this point. Well, no, Spock's been accidentally teleported into another universe at this point. All right. <laughs> That's true. To bring would be old. She wouldn't have any more pring in her. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> say she's much older. Jake, I saw your face. No, well, actually, what I was thinking is, is we 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 need to like you know bring her to Lothlorien too. She apparently has a thing for pointy ears. I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying. I like the pointy ears. Would not have any complaints. Okay, if she's old, that's okay. I'm old. It's doable. <laughs> yeah, y'all were talking about earlier. I don't know if I can get behind these guys having sex. They're over 50. And I'm like, I'm over 50. No, 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 no. I said over 70. <laughs> yeah. So you said like he was, she was 70 and he was 80, 90 or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, over 50 came up at one point and I was like, mm, over 50. You're like, hey, assholes. <laughs> hey, I'm one year away from 50. Youngin. I'm a youngin. I'm only 46. Woohoo. Mm hmm. You're a 76 baby, though, right? I am. I've just had insomnia. <laughs> uh, with that said, can you handle a little bit of humor on the subject? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Before my grandmother passed away, she had actually busted her hip. What she had done was come out of the grocery store and tripped over the hose that they were using the hose down the front oh, Okay, and, and fell and broke her hip. So she's at the rehabilitation center and one of her friends comes to visit while my father is there and her friend is like, Oh my God, what happened? And my father looks at her and goes, you mean they didn't tell you? And she goes, no, she goes, well, my mother hit my grandmother hit me him, my mother, the cheap Jewish woman that she is got to the grocery store and started bitching about the price of bananas and decided that she was just going to steal some 
And when she made a run for it, they shot her in the. <laughs> what did I walk into? <laughs> what did I walk into? Well, here comes the best part about the story, though. A few days later, my aunt, my father's sister, calls him up and says, I'm not amused. And he goes, what do you mean? And she goes, how could you tell people that our mother was shot in the while trying to steal bananas? And my father goes, it was a joke. And she goes, well, what? I, how could you do? He goes, I mean, it was a joke. How could she? She'd have to have been an idiot to believe me. And my aunt's response was, well, it's all over the synagogue. <laughs> <laughs> a synagogue of idiots. That's great. That's great. Energize.